Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N, and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. And this is episode number 45 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, and it is Tuesday, Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Now, before I get to today's news, I want to tell you about a personal journey I've been on for 13 years and how, by the grace of God, I discovered the best-kept secret in American health care. I have hoped and prayed for years for the opportunity to share this on a national stage, and I'm thankful the Lord has opened the door for me to do so. Back in 2008, I was living in Brunswick, Georgia, selling radio commercials. That's where I met a doctor who taught me about a crucial part of health care that most of us have never heard of. Okay, here goes. Your skull weighs somewhere between 8 and 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1 bone, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas bone to get out of alignment. If it does get out of alignment, it can cause your spinal column to get kinked up like a chain. So that can lead to big problems because that's where your central nervous system is located. If your spinal column gets kinked up, it can cause your central nervous system to be unable to send impulses to the rest of your body as God designed it to do. So you need to find out if you need an upper cervical care doctor. They're the doctors who take x-rays of your head and neck to see if your atlas is out of alignment. And if it is, they're the doctors who will adjust your atlas to get it back in alignment and you feel better. At the time I found out about this over 13 years ago, I was a single dad and my mom was helping me raise my six children. So I went home and told her about this doctor I met who adjusts people's atlases and about the results he was getting. She said, Doc, you have to take your son, Steve. He's only 13 years old, and I'm afraid he's developing scoliosis, curvature of the spine. He can't sit up straight. He can't stand up straight, and he has migraines all the time. So I took Steve. He got his atlas adjusted, and immediately he sat up straight, and he stood up straight. After his third adjustment, the migraines went away for good. Then my mom told me, Doc, look at yourself in the mirror. Your shoulders are off balance, and you have bad headaches all the time. I think you need to get your atlas adjusted. So I did, and the migraines went away. But I also realized that I had been suffering through a low-grade but consistent head and neck ache caused by several automobile accidents I had been in over the past 20 years. So that consistent low-grade head and neck ache went away immediately. And I instantly realized I had been walking around in a fog for several years. Getting my atlas adjusted was like coming up out of the ether. But what really surprised me was when springtime came around, and for the first time I could remember, I didn't have hay fever. Well, that was quite a shock because I had had really bad hay fever every spring going all the way back to my school days. Folks who have their atlases adjusted have reported success with not just migraines, not just allergies, but fibromyalgia, acid reflux, and even eczema. 
It's all about adjusting the atlas to remove the obstruction that keeps your central nervous system from sending impulses to different parts of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I've been under this kind of care for over 13 years in three different states. I think I would probably be in a wheelchair by now if I hadn't found out about getting my atlas adjusted. My wife and I know many people this has helped. If you're wondering if you need to get your atlas adjusted, look in the mirror or look at a picture of yourself. Do your eyes look off balance? Do your shoulders look off balance? Do you naturally tilt your head to one side or the other? When you sit on the sofa, are you most comfortable leaning one way or the other? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. If you'd like to get a free consultation with a doctor near you who adjusts atlases, go to the website, TurnMyPowerOn.com. We link to it on our website, TurnMyPowerOn.com. You'll be glad you did. All right. Now, we got some stuff coming up here on the Doc Washburn Show. i got to tell you, there's one journalist who has covered the plight of the January 6th political prisoners better than anybody else, so I'm honored to announce the great Julie Kelly from American Greatness will be on the show tomorrow at 12.05 Eastern, 11.05 Central. Don't miss it. Other big announcement. You know, uh, we've been saying for quite some time that if you want to uh, listen to the show live, because most people listen to the podcast later in the day. If you want to listen to the show live, all you need to do is download the Podbean app. Well, it has gotten a lot easier than that because some people are like i don't know how to download an app okay fine now all you have to do is go to docwashburnshow.com and right at the bottom it says listen live now and you just click on that start button and you can listen to the show live right on docwashburnshow.com Thank you to Podbean for putting a uh, an embedded media player on DocWashburnShow.com so you no longer have to. Now, hey, some people say, I really appreciate the convenience because I used to li- miss a lot of your radio show because, you know, I had work to do. I can listen to this in the evening. That's great. But if you want to listen live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, it just got a whole lot easier. Just go to DocWashburnShow.com. At noon Eastern, 11 Central, 10 Mountain, 9 Pacific. And click the start button where it says listen live now. You don't have to download anything. Isn't that cool? I'm excited. I'm excited. All right, now, um, I have a confession to make. Yesterday, I forgot to do the tweet of the day. So our good friends at RedRiverYourWay.com Get two tweets of the day today, and I want to get one done right away. So without any further ado, it's time for the official announcer right here. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way. Big old car dealer in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. You're free to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You buy it online, they'll drive it to you, no matter where you are. All right, our first tweet of the day today. This is from Daily Wire. You know, there were awful tornadoes 
in the Midwest over the weekend. Well, one man showed up with a grill in Mayfield, Kentucky, after it was destroyed by a tornado. And here's what this gentleman said. Oh, I'm sorry. I got I to gotta turn it back up. I apologize. I apologize. I turned it down so we wouldn't keep playing the uh, Tweet of the Day music. Here's what this gentleman said who showed up with a grill in Mayfield, Kentucky, after it was destroyed by a tornado. I know they don't have no electricity, so that means they don't have no electricity, no restaurants, no running water, so I just figure I'd do what I can do, show up with some food and some water. God bless him. God bless him. You know, we have so much bad news that we have to give you on a regular basis. We have so much bad news we have to give you on a regular basis that uh, every once in a while it's kind of nice to be able to give you a little bit of good news. I'm seeing that, uh, I'm seeing comments. Somebody said somebody needs to uh, get this guy's name and make him famous, keep sending him food so he can keep cooking. Somebody else says his name is Jim Finch. I, I hope that's, I hope that's correct. I hope that's correct. This is just phenomenal. Let me play it for you one more time. I know they don't have no electricity, so that means they don't have no electricity, no restaurants, no running water, so I just figure I'd do what I can do, show up with some food and some water. And he's got a big, big, big old grill out there, a big grill. Showed up in Mayfield, Kentucky, after it was destroyed by a tornado. I'm reminded of uh, October of 2018 when the Panama City, Florida area was uh, hit by a Cat 5 hurricane. And uh, next thing you know, all kinds of restaurants, all kinds of fast food chains are bringing in food trucks and just feeding people for free. It's amazing. We live in a wonderful country. And um, we need to be thankful for that. Instead of trying to tear it down. Today's Tweet of the Day brought to you by Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. Your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You buy it online, they'll drive it to you. No matter where you are. RedRiverYourWay.com. And a little bit later in the show, they'll get another tweet of the day. All right. Now, that having been said, we've got a we've got a bombshell. What would you say if I told you that Dr. Fauci admitted 
in March of last year that uh, might be some problems. Might be some problems with the vaccines. Because he did. And it's now just... uh, now just starting to come out, all right? And people are like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I can't believe he said these things. Now, one of the clips, one of the clips that we have is actually from um, a White House press conference. And another clip that we have is from a conversation Fauci was having with Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy. And uh, it's just breathtaking. It's just breathtaking hearing what Fauci is openly admitting months before the vaccines were available. And, of course, now with the vaccine adverse event reporting system and with all these healthy athletes dropping dead all over the world, a lot of people are expressing a lot of... uh, a lot of concerns, a lot of uh, skepticism about these supposedly wonderful vaccines. All right, so first we got uh, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook with Fauci in March of 2020. Check it out. One of the questions that I've heard from a number of people is, Doing the safety trials, obviously, is, is incredibly important because you want to make sure that you're not injecting people with something that, that could uh, be harmful. But once you have that, why not push harder on um, rolling it out more aggressively, even if you don't know exactly how effective it is? Um, you know, What's the public health rationale and, and thinking behind um, needing to prove that it's extremely effective before rolling out something that you know is, um, is, is safe? Okay, that's a good question. The initial safety uh, study, Mark, is to see if I inject it in the arm, does it have some sort of idiosyncratic or bad reaction? There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse. And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. So is that what's going on? 
Is that what's going on? The only way to know, do an extended study. Is that what's going on? Fauci, March 2020, White House COVID press conference. Or something like this. You have safety, something that I want to make sure the American public understand. It's not only safety when you inject somebody and they get maybe an idiosyncratic reaction. They get a little allergic reaction. They get pain. There's safety associated. Does the vaccine make you worse? And there are diseases in which you vaccinate someone. They get infected with what you're trying to protect them with. And you actually enhance the infection. You can get a good feel for that in animal models. So that's going to be interspersed at the same time that we're testing. We're going to try and make sure we don't have enhancement. It's the worst possible thing you could do is vaccinate somebody to prevent infection and actually make them worse. So is that what's going on? I want to know. I want to know. So what is, he likes using big words. He likes assuming that everybody understands what uh, the big words that he uses. Idiosyncratic drug reactions, also known as type B reactions, are drug reactions that occur rarely and unpredictably amongst the population. This is not to be mistaken with idiopathic, which implies that the cause is not known. Idiosyncratic drug reactions frequently occur with exposure to new drugs as they have not been fully tested and the full range of possible side effects have not been discovered. They may also be listed as an adverse drug reaction with a drug, but extremely rare. Some patients have multiple drug intolerance. Patients who have multiple idiopathic effects that are nonspecific are more likely to have Anxiety and depression, idiosyncratic drug reactions appear not to be concentration dependent. A minimal amount of drug will cause an immune response, but it is suspected that a low enough concentration of drug will be less likely to initiate an immune response. I wonder when they, uh, I wonder when they updated this. This page was last edited December 30th, 2020, I'll bet. I'll bet. I wonder what it used to say. I wonder what it used to say. I wonder if we can find out what it used to say before they updated it a few weeks into the uh, the vaccine being available for the China virus. Let me just plug it into the old uh, Wayback Machine here. Yeah, let's see what it used to look like. Let's go back to 2017. See what it looked like back then. I'll bet uh, it didn't have the same. Let's see. Idiosyncratic drug reactions, also known as type B reactions, are drug reactions that occur rarely and unpredictably amongst the population. This is not to be... Mistaken with idiopathic, which implies that the cause is not known. They frequently occur with exposure to new drugs, as they have not been fully tested. Did it say frequently on the other one? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Has it not been fully tested? And the full range of possible side effects have not been discovered. They may also be listed as an adverse drug reaction with a drug, but are extremely rare. Okay. Well, pardon me. You, you can perhaps excuse my skepticism. Perhaps you can uh, excuse my uh, cynicism, if I may use that term. You know, because... Um, You know, there's there's a lot going on here that they don't want us to know about, that they don't want us to understand. Big tech media is coming down on us like a ton of bricks. And now, I mean, I want to see a show of hands. Have you, uh, have you been suspended by Facebook? For posting something they didn't like. Have you been? Uh, somebody says, will there be a way to listen live without this app? I want to share the live show, but not recommend installing Podbean. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought I explained that a few minutes ago. Just go to docwashingshow.com, click listen live. Click click the, the start button on, on Listen Live. You don't have to have the Podbean app anymore. Anyway, um, where can we get the clips that you are playing? Twitter. That's where I get them. So, I'm sorry, what was I saying? You can forgive me, I hope, for having a lot of skepticism about what we're being told about the... Uh, the vaccine. So now in a court filing, Facebook admits that it's so-called fact checks are nothing more than opinion. So if you've been suspended by Facebook, it's just their opinion. That's it. They, They disagree, so they suspend you. Facebook has admitted in a court of law that such fact checks are not factual at all, but merely opinions. Anthony Watts has a website called What's Up With That. He says, people send me stuff. As we have previously reported, journalist John Stossel is suing Facebook. After Facebook's fact checkers labeled climate change information that John Stossel's posted, as false and misleading in the middle of all this is the nefarious website Climate Feedback, which has a bunch of climate zealots that write up what they claim are fact checks for articles, videos, and news stories they disagree with. Facebook just blew the fact check claim right out of the water in court. In its response to John Stossel's defamation claim, Facebook responds on page 2, line 8 in the court document, that Facebook cannot be sued for defamation, which is making a false and harmful assertion, because its fact checks are mere statements of opinion rather than factual assertions. Opinions are not subject to defamation claims, while false assertions of fact can be subject to defamation. 
The quote in Facebook's complaint is this. The labels themselves are neither false nor defamatory. To the contrary, they constitute protected opinion. So in a court of law, in a legal finding, pardon me, in a legal filing, take two. So in a court of law, in a legal filing, Facebook admits that its so-called fact checks are not really fact checks at all, but merely opinion assertions. This strikes me as public relations disaster and possibly a looming legal disaster for Facebook, PolitiFact, Climate Feedback, and other left-leaning entities that engage in biased so-called fact-checking. Such so-called fact-checks are now shown to be simply an agenda to suppress free speech and the open discussion of science by disguising liberal media activism as something supposedly factual, noble, neutral, trustworthy, and based on science. It is none of those. Wow. That's amazing. I wonder what will happen when I put this on Facebook. (laughs) Bombshell and court filing. Facebook admits fact checks are nothing more than opinion. This is false and disinformation, misinformation, or whatever. Facebook, uh. Un-freaking believable. So, Glenn Reynolds, the great instapundit, Glenn Reynolds of the New York Post, has an opinion piece. He says the cabal that bragged of foisting Joe Biden on us must answer for his must answer for his failed presidency. He says it's time to admit it. Less than a year in, Joe Biden's is a failed presidency. Biden knows it, the press knows it, and voters know it. Dude, I don't know what Biden knows. I'm not sure if Biden knows whether it's vanilla or chocolate tapioca pudding he gets for dinner. I don't know what Biden knows, dude. Anyway, he says, and our foreign adversaries like China and Russia know it, it's also time to look at the cabal of business, labor, and political leaders who foisted the Biden administration on us. That won't be hard as they were openly bragging about their efforts less than a year ago. The failure is obvious. The administration is so desperate, it's begging the press for better coverage. What, they're supposed to lie about gas and food prices? I guess so. The Chinese and Russians are moving aggressively against the United States and its allies on the ground, on the seas, and even in outer space because they don't fear repercussions from a tired, incoherent president who presides over an administration of woke incompetence and Obama retreads. And voters, voters know firsthand. A staggering 63% of them think the country's on the wrong track, according to this week's Wall Street Journal poll. Only 27% think it's on the right track. 46% expect the economy to get worse. Only 30% think it will get better. Far more expect inflation to worsen than to improve. 33% think crime will get worse. 50% think the nation's political divide will worsen. Hispanic voters... 
The Democrats' great demographic hope for national dominance, no longer a lean Democrat, but are now evenly split between the parties. Economic issues are a particular concern, and it's easy to see why, with grocery and gas prices skyrocketing, with rents climbing, and with supply chain, border, and crime-related economic issues. The outlook is poor. It'll take more than another lame Bill Crystal column accusing Donald Trump of racism to distract them from that. Normally, when you get a bad president, voters are to blame. They decided what they wanted, and in H.L. Mencken's famous phrase, deserve to get it good and hard. But in saddling America with a Biden administration, the voters got more than a nudge. As Time Magazine reported shortly after the 2020 election, a cabal, Time Magazine's word, of left-wing activists and business titans worked to get rid of Trump. That cabal pushed mail-in voting. It moved to block election fraud lawsuits brought by Trump and supporters. It employed social media censorship to mute pro-Trump arguments and amplify anti-Trump arguments. It sponsored protests. Time Magazine calls it a conspiracy to save the election, but in truth, it was a conspiracy to save the election for the Democrats. The consequences in terms of lost faith in democracy have been severe, but the worst effect is that the winning ticket was never seriously vetted by the media or the campaign process. As a result, we have a president whose mental capacity is openly doubted by much of the nation. Well, now, wait a minute. The worst effect is not that the winning ticket was never seriously vetted by the media or the campaign process. The worst effect was that they stole the election. I wonder if he's going to have the guts to say this. Anyway, he says, and the line of succession isn't much better. Kamala Harris's competence is mocked even by fellow Democrats, and her own staffers are lining up to jump ship. Harris didn't win a single delegate in the Democrat primary and is polling even worse than Biden. Third in line is 81-year-old Nancy Pelosi, who seems energetic and sharp only by comparison with our aging chief executive. In a normal campaign, Biden's weaknesses would have been obvious. Normal candidates endure grueling schedules with frequent speaking events that mercilessly reveal any shortages of energy or intellect. It's now clear that had Biden had to do that, a majority of voters would have seen him as unfit. Hey, 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 hey! Glenn, a majority of voters did see him as unfit. Anyway, he says, but the cabal ensured that the press didn't pressure him to leave his basement. Questions about his abilities were silenced. And the press also helped by drumming up and deploying COVID hysteria against Trump, sometimes openly hoping that it would harm him, other times deploying the hysteria to support mail-in ballots and other questionable practices. Time Magazine's piece says, it sounds like a paranoid fever dream. A well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes, to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information. But that's okay, we're told. They said they were not rigging the election, they were fortifying it. Were they? Were they really? 
America now faces a dangerous time internationally, domestically, and economically with obviously inadequate leadership at the top. If disaster ensues, the people who openly bragged about their efforts to install the Biden administration may wish they had kept quiet. Okay, so that's about as close as you can get to say it was stolen. They installed the Biden administration. He's implying it was stolen. But I just don't know if he actually used the word, if um, he would have been allowed to print the uh, column in the New York Post. That's all I'm saying about that. I mean, I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt that they would have uh, allowed him to post the op-ed in the New York Post if he used the word stolen. Somehow or another, I just don't think they would have let him get away with that. All right, the great Julie Kelly. Scheduled to be on the show tomorrow, live, at 12.05 Eastern, 11.05 a.m. Central. New article out at American Greatness, Justice Department moves to conceal police misconduct on January 6th. Subtitle, Preventing Defendants from Telling Juries Exactly What Happened on January 6th is the Justice Department's latest attempt to cover up pervasive police misconduct. Um, you know, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of, uh, a verse in scripture that we don't hear about nearly often enough. Yeah. Here it is. In Ephesians. And it says, have no fellowship with with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather even reprove them. Or do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Did y'all know that was in there? Because um, a lot of stuff going on that they don't want coming out. You know what I'm Holmes? Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen. The Justice Department doesn't want people to know what some of the police officers did at the Capitol on January 6th. Here's Julie Kelly's new article, American Greatness. After months of foot dragging, Joe Biden's Justice Department is preparing for the first set of trials related to its sprawling prosecution of January 6th defendants. Robert Gieswein, who turned himself in and was arrested on January 19th for his involvement in the Capitol protests, is scheduled to stand trial in February. A week after his arrest, Geeswine, 24 years old at the time, was indicted by a, by a federal grand jury on six counts, including assaulting, resisting, or impeding 
law enforcement with a dangerous weapon that day. He's been behind bars ever since. Deny bail while Judge Emmett Sullivan delayed his trial on numerous occasions. Giswan is among 40 or so January 6 defendants held in part, a part of the D.C. jail system solely used to detain Capitol protesters. Judge Emmett Sullivan, I remember him. He's the one when uh, Trump's DOJ said, we're dropping the charges on Mike Flynn because they're illegitimate. They never should have been brought in the first place. Judge Sullivan for months dragged it out, said, no, I don't think I'm going to let you do that. What do you mean? You, you can't stop us. We're the prosecutors. We, we, we're, we're not prosecuting anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to sign off of that. Well, no, you don't have the choice. Yet. Yeah, well, that crook, that crooked judge, Emmett Sullivan, delayed his trial on numerous occasions on this guy. Federal prosecutors accused Giswine of using a chemical spray against police officers and carrying a baseball bat. Wait, like the chemical spray they used on Trump supporters? The police officers did? Anyway, clad in military-style gear, Geeswine climbed through a broken window shortly after the first breach of the building. He told a reporter on the scene that, quote, the corrupt politicians who have been in office for 50 or 60 years need to be imprisoned, unquote. Geeswine complained that Democrat politicians sold out the country to the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, a remark that FBI investigator on his case described as an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Are the Rockefellers Jewish? First I've heard. Ahead of Giswine's trial, the Justice Department asked Judge Emmett Sullivan to strictly curtail how Giswine can defend himself. A motion filed earlier this month argued Giswine should not use self-defense against law enforcement as a reason for his actions on January 6th. Now, prosecutors also stated that Giswine should not blame President Trump for his alleged criminal behavior, claiming it is objectively unreasonable to conclude that President Trump could authorize citizens to interfere with the Electoral College proceedings, a legal torpedo to the Democrats' nonstop accusations that Trump supposedly incited the events of January 6th. How about that? Matthew Graves, the new U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, wrote in the December 1st filing, quote, defendant will not be able to put forth any evidence that he had a reasonable belief that his actions were necessary to defend himself against the immediate use of unlawful force. Through his words and actions, the defendant made plain his intent the court should exclude any testimony and evidence purporting to assert a claim of self-defense, unquote. Now, preventing Geeswine from telling a jury exactly what happened on January 6th is the Justice Department's latest attempt to cover up pervasive police misconduct. Geeswine's alleged offenses coincided with a time frame when Capitol and D.C. Metropolitan Police officers started, started attacking thousands of protesters assembled outside the building on January 6th. Law enforcement deployed explosive devices known as flashbangs, which emit a powerful burst of light and sound to temporarily stun the intended victim, 
into the crowd around 1.15 p.m. January 6th, just moments after Trump finished up his speech at the Ellipse, less than two miles away. Police also used rubber bullets, tear gas, batons, and in some cases, their own fists to assault protesters. Prosecutors know this is fact, and it's precisely why the Justice Department is desperate to keep any video footage or testimony that portrays these vicious assaults out of the public eye. Julie Kelly here says, as I have reported, the Justice Department and U.S. Capitol Police want roughly 14,000 hours of surveillance video captured by security cameras on January 6th to remain under protective orders. That trove of video is considered highly sensitive government material by Biden's Justice Department. Even defendants are strictly limited as to how they can view the classified footage uses evidence against them. Much of it would show a sustained attack on peaceful Americans by D.C.-based law enforcement agencies. But as trials get underway and long-delayed discovery is finally produced by the government, more evidence of egregious, in several cases criminal, police misconduct is emerging. Some cases will pit cop against cop. Thomas Webster, retired 20-year veteran of the New York City Police Department and decorated Marine charged with assaulting law enforcement on January 6th, recently notified the court he will claim in self-defense. He will claim self-defense against excessive force in his trial, which doesn't even come up till April. Cherry-picked video released to the media by the Justice Department several months ago shows Webster screaming at a line of police officers around 2.30 p.m. on January 6th, you blanking piece of blank. Webster can be heard saying to an unidentified officer, you blanking commie blankers, man. You want to attack Americans? No, blank that. Now, what would compel a longtime cop to angrily confront his own brothers in blue? Here's how Webster's attorney described the scene in a June motion, and I quote, For the 10 minutes prior to encountering the defendant, Officer N.R. can be seen reaching over the metal barrier and pushing a female protester holding a flag to the ground on two separate occasions. The protesters were by and large peaceful. It was only after tear gas and pepper spray were deployed by police upon this group of peaceful protesters that the crowds changed. Officer N.R., the cop Webster allegedly assaulted, was equipped with a helmet, a shield, a gas mask, and a full complement of body armor. Protesters who did not attend the protest with a mask or face shield are observed suffering the effects of being gassed and pepper sprayed by police. Officer N.R. can also be observed mocking several protesters who were complaining about this officer's excessive use of force. The video depicts this officer reaching beyond the metal barriers and pushing Webster on the chest. It is at this point that Officer N.R. again reaches over the metal barricade and punches Webster on the left side of his face, unquote. Now, Webster's attorney will use 12 minutes of the D.C. police officer's body-worn camera footage recorded before the confrontation to show his repeated use of excessive force. And it isn't just testimony and video the Justice Department wants to hide from both defendants and the American people. Prosecutors want the names of police officers allegedly attacked by Capitol protesters to remain anonymous. In the case of Victoria White, 
The female Trump supporter brutally beaten by two D.C. police officers on January 6th. I told the story of her terrifying experience in two articles last week. The Justice Department claims the cops, not those assaulted by police, are the victims. Quote, as these officers now or in the future may qualify as victims under the Crime Victims Rights Act, they have the right to be reasonably protected from the accused and the right to be treated with fairness and with respect of the victim's dignity and privacy, unquote. This absurd caveat, by the way, is contained in the same motion that disclosed several defense attorneys had requested use of force investigation files of D.C. Metropolitan Police Officers. Important to note that three D.C. Metropolitan Police Officers reportedly have committed suicide since January 6th. Wow. Ponder for a moment how that tactic would be immediately denounced on any other occasion of excessive force against political protesters. But since Trump and his supporters are considered subhuman by the Biden regime, Democrats, plenty of Republican lawmakers, and the national news media, the usual rules don't apply. Meanwhile, a federal judge will soon rule on a motion filed by a January 6th defense attorney, subsequently supported by a group of 16 major news organizations, to remove the government's protective order on three hours of surveillance video from the Lower West Terrace Tunnel. It was the location of fierce fighting between police and protesters in the spot where Roseanne Boyland, a Trump supporter from Georgia, died. Protesters are expected to oppose its release. I'm sorry, not protesters. Prosecutors are expected to oppose its release. Of course, the protesters want it out. As the January 6th House Select Committee accelerates its illegitimate legal pursuit of Trump and his associates under the guise of revealing the truth about the Capitol protests, the Justice Department is actively concealing the truth, especially related to police brutality that day. The only question now is whether federal judges in Washington will continue to allow the Biden regime to get away with it. That's Julie Kelly, who is scheduled to be on the show tomorrow. Her new article, new op-ed at American Greatness is entitled Justice Department Moves to Conceal Police Misconduct on January 6th. You know, our government's out of control. And they've been out of control for quite some time. And they've been violating our rights for quite some time. I'm old enough to remember over 12 years ago when they passed Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act. So let me ask you, did that so-called, so-called Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, actually make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If so, you need to talk to my buddy Art Wilborn. His website is myfamilyhealthplan.com. You click on the website, the first thing you see, big, bold letters, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. How'd you like to do that? The prices, is everything else going up. Your prices on your health insurance go way down. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. 
personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Wow. So there's a button there that says schedule call now. That's what you need to do. Prices and everything else going up. Let's, let's, let's get the prices on your health insurance way, way down. Schedule call now. Just click the button. Art Wilborn, my buddy of myfamilyhealthplan.com. When you book your free consultation there, he'll make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. He'll make sure he comes up with a plan that doesn't force you to uh, cover things that would uh, deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs, stuff like abortion. That, that's not part of this. This is the opposite of Obamacare. It's the antidote to Obamacare. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no no co-pays. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. You'll be glad you did. And we appreciate them for being sponsors of the Doc Washburn Show. Appreciate all our sponsors. And we appreciate all our patrons. If you'd like to support what we do here financially, it's real easy. Just go to docwashburnshow.com, click on Become a Patron, and they explain the whole thing to you. It's a beautiful thing. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that when... I got fired because I refused to take the jab that um, I had an option to do this instead. And I have to worry about getting fired if I tell the truth about the election or the vaccines or whatever. It's, uh, It's nice being unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. It really is. Now... Peter Ducey was on fire yesterday with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. And uh, I need to play some of this for you. I mean, there aren't too many reporters who will try to hold this, um, this regime accountable. But there is Peter Ducey. And he does it on a regular basis. He is the bane of of Jen Psaki's existence. Yeah, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it, right? Exactly. So I really respect the brother for standing up and not putting up with the ridiculousness that she puts out there on a regular basis. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You go to work for the Biden administration, it is understood you're getting paid to lie. You're getting paid to lie. And, you know, she does on a regular basis. All of them do. All of them do. I'll never forget a guy named, uh, named Cedric Richmond. Cedric Richmond, he used to be a congressman, a Democrat congressman in northern Louisiana. Shortly after Biden was sworn in, he goes on, I can't remember if it was CNN or MSNBC and said, we inherited no plan to distribute vaccines. 
So, okay. So Operation Warp Speed didn't exist. As far as this guy's concerned, no. We inherited no plan to distribute vaccines. Well, you know, of course that's not true, but they're not going to call him on it. You know what I'm saying? Because he's got an R by his name. As the great retro hip-hop philosophers Run DMC would say, that's the way that it is, and it's like that. Anyway, um, so here we have Peter Ducey and Jen Psaki, part one. Thank you, Jen. You're not going to believe this. I have another question about Build Back Better. I'm ready. Uh, so the president says that the Build Back Better is not going to add a penny to the deficit. The CBO has this new score uh, where they assume that social programs are going to be made permanent, and in that case it would add almost $3 trillion. So does that mean that President Biden will commit that these programs are not going to be made permanent? Well, first of all, what we're, you're talking about here is a fake CBO score that is not based on the actual bill that anybody is voting on. This was a ask request by Senator Graham to score a bill that is not currently being debated. Uh, that is her prerog- his prerogative to, to, to do. Uh, but what our focus is on is on the existing bill that will lower the deficit, uh, that will also, over an additional 10 years, pay for the $2 trillion tax cuts that Republicans didn't pay for. They're welcome for that. So, Wait a minute. First of all, she's not answering the question about Will the social programs be permanent or temporary? Second of all, the idea that somehow you have to pay for tax cuts implies that the government owns all the money and they decide whether they want you to have any of it. Just so you know. At what point are Republicans going to stand up and say, no, the money doesn't belong to you, the government. The money belongs to our constituents. I don't know. Hope springs eternal. Here's more. I would say, Peter, to your uh, question, the president has conveyed very clearly, multiple times publicly, that he would like programs, if they're extended, to be paid for. That remains his commitment. But it's important to understand that when you, when anybody raises a question about this new CBO score, it is a fake score about a f- bill that doesn't exist. Uh, and we should really focus on the actual bill everybody's uh, going to vote on and considering in Congress right now. Okay, so... She's claiming that you can spend trillions of dollars, but it's actually paid for. You got that? Trillions of dollars, but it's actually not going to cost you anything. It's paid for. Never forget, they get paid to lie. They know they're lying. We know they're lying. And they know that we know they're lying. Ducey comes back for another bite of the apple with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Okay, another topic. Is Vice President Harris still in charge of addressing the root causes of migration from El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala? She is, and I just announced a a commitment that she's announcing this afternoon. So then why is it that she has not spoken to the president of Guatemala since June? That's six months. 
Well, I know that I, I did see this kind of strange report uh, from the president of Guatemala saying that uh, he's had no contact with the White House, which is inaccurate. No, he, didn't uh, he said uh, Vice President Harris he has not spoken to her. And if she's in charge, why, why is that? Wait, Jen Psaki just lied and said the president of Guatemala claimed he had no contact with the White House when that's not what he said? And Peter Ducey politely corrects her without saying you're lying? Well, we have had a range of conversations, Peter, I think as reflected in our readout we put out last week with our national security advisor, with the vice president's national security advisor, with our NSC senior director, Juan Gonzalez. Uh, We put out an extensive readout of that uh, just last week, and we'll continue that high level of engagement. Okay. So in other words, I'm not going to answer that question. You should have known better than ask me something like that. So did you know Kamala Harris has a national security advisor? I wonder if that's one of the people that complains that she refuses to read her briefing materials. Well, of course she refused to read the briefing materials. She doesn't understand the briefing materials. She's not very bright. But wait, there's more. Peter Ducey with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Uh, final topic. Do you think it's possible that big cities are dealing with these smash-and-grab robberies right now, an increase in criminal activity because some prosecutors are too soft on crime? Uh, I would say we have seen, I'm not going to attribute the reasoning from here. What I will tell you is we have seen an increase in crime over the course of the pandemic. There are a range of reasons for that. Um, and what we're f- our focus is on is what we can do to address it. The president has proposed additional funding in the budget to make sure local police departments and cops have the funding they need. Uh, we have also worked directly with police departments in areas where they are seeing the highest impact of the crime, the retail theft, which, theft, which we have great concern about. That's what our focus is on currently is action and doing what we can to make sure the funding is out there to the communities that need it the most. If you think that a Democrat White House press secretary is going to answer a question about local prosecutors being soft on crime, you're crazy. Now, think about this. She says, well, we got to make sure we have enough funding in these bills for local police. Now, what does that tell you? Why don't the local police get funded by the local taxpayers? and leave Washington out of it because we send our tax money to Washington and they're more concerned about making the federal government bigger. You know? Why should local tax money have to go through Washington just to come back down and fund police? Because... The Democrats, who at this point are basically communists, they always do everything backwards. That's why. It's not really about fighting crime and uh, enhancing security in local communities. It's about consolidating power for the machine. Here's more. 
Peter Ducey and White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. But I guess, what good does it do if you're going to give police departments extra money if they arrest bad guys and they bring them to jail and then they're not prosecuted? They're just right back out on the streets. I think, Peter, what our focus is on is making sure that uh, the local uh, leaders, the police officers and departments who know what they need for these communities, have the assistance and the funding they need. And that's what we're working around the clock on. If you think that a Democrat White House press secretary is going to criticize local Democrat prosecutor or criticize George Soros, who pay for the local Democrat prosecutor, you're crazy. That's never going to happen. Never going to happen. So is being soft on crime the reason there's more crime? Sure. Is she going to get anywhere near admitting it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. One last bite of the apple for Peter Ducey with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. So the final one would be just in the last week, uh, we saw a New York Post item about a pickpocket with more than 30 arrests back out on the street. Uh, We've seen an arsonist burn down a half a million dollar Christmas tree in New York City back out on the streets. Does the president think that that's good governing? Again, I think I've spoken to the president's concerns about retail theft. If you have specific and and the actions we've taken for specific cases, I would point you to the local police departments or the Department of Justice. Let me translate that for you. They don't care. All right? They don't care. That's the way that it is. And it's like that. And I don't know what we can do about it. You know, I live in a state, Arkansas, where recently our Republican name only governor, Asa Hutchinson, said, well, you know, I don't want to criticize the president. No, he doesn't. He, he likes criticizing Republicans. You know, I live in a state, Arkansas, in which a uh, fancy restaurant uh, called Trios on Cantrell Road recently announced that they will be refusing service to customers who are unwilling to uh, present a proof of vaccination card. And I'm thinking, okay, I certainly don't have to go eat there. In the interest of full disclosure, I used to get my hair cut at a uh, a salon, you know, the, some of these places are not actually barbershops. They, they uh, do hair for men and women. So there's a salon, and it was like three or four doors down from Trio's, and uh, the girls are always talking about uh, ordering lunch from Trio's. And I remember thinking, oh, that sounds pretty good. I'll check that out someday. Uh, not now. Uh, they don't want me, so I don't want them. But, you know, and... and I don't do a local radio talk show anymore. This is a national podcast, and we rarely talk about Arkansas stuff. But I just thought it was kind of a microcosm of what's going on in the country. You know, that a restaurant would decide, hey, you know what would be a good idea? Would be to do some virtue signaling politically. 
and let certain people know they're not welcome here. And certain people are like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's fine. There are plenty of places I could go eat dinner, right? This certainly does not have to be one of them. So anyway, um, Trio's restaurant uh, on Cantrell in uh, Little Rock, I hope uh, hope we made you famous. I, I hope you got what you want, uh, which is certainly not my business because, you know, I'm not going to get the jab. And since they kind of are in pretty close to the ritzy, snooty, liberal area of Little Rock called the Heights and Hillcrest, it probably will not negatively affect their business at all. So, you know, all's well that ends well. All right, that having been said, so uh, Biden yesterday was um, talking about what to do in the wake of the tornado devastation in Kentucky. And it was something like this. Tell I need about the hospitals along the path of this of, of this tornado, but you know it's gonna we're gonna have to. I'm sure I'm going to be asked to. I'm going to be asking my team to set up uh, uh, um, sites for booster shots and a whole range of things. And people still. The, the worst part is their life has to go on as if nothing happened. Because they've still got to take care of those needs from Wait, 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 wait. Uh, communities, whole communities have been destroyed. He's like, we got to set up sites to get them booster shots. Really? Really? A guy named Dr. Bob Esquire. Responded, priorities, no food, get the vax. No shelter, get the vax. No water, get the vax. Oh, God love you, get the vax. Here's a blanket. Wow. These people lost their homes, their jobs, everything they own, loved ones, and he thinks booster shots are what they're worried about. That's a... That's a guy who's out of it, man. He's he's gone. He's gone. He's been gone for a long time. Now, who remembers Chuck Schumer? The late great Rush Limbaugh. Used to call him Chuck U. Schumer. I can't believe this. Okay. I'm sorry. I got to answer a question from somebody who's listening live on the Podbean app. When I go to your shop website, the only listen live option I see says to download the Podbean app. What am I missing? Uh, don't click on the, the the tab that says listen. I don't know what it looks like on the phone, but I don't know what it looks like on my PC. And when I open it up on my PC... DocWashingtonShow.com, I don't have to scroll or anything. It says, listen live now. And you click on the start button, and you can listen live. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't have to 
You don't have to download a Podbean app anymore. So what are you missing? I don't know. I'm I'm looking at it. I just looked at it on Brian's phone. I look at it on the PC. DocWashmanShow.com says listen live now, and you click the start button, and it plays. So I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm technologically challenged, but I am telling you how to do it. Uh, and I, I just I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. Anyway. No, well, we try to respond sometimes. We try to respond sometimes when it occurs to me, when I remember, oh, yeah, people are posting comments. Anyway, every time I use that word, it reminds my wife of Don Rickles. Anyway, I gave him a cookie and it went away. Uh, So Daniel Greenfield over at frontpagemag.com. New article. Schumer, who accused Trump of Russian collusion, is getting paid by Putin. Subtitle, so is every top Democrat who accused President Trump of Russian collusion. How about that? Now, Daniel Greenfield, of course, is a Shulman journalism fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center specializing in investigative reporting on the left and Islamic terrorism. Senator Schumer insinuated in 2018, a single ominous question now hangs over the White House. What could possibly cause President Trump to put the interests of Russia over those of the United States? Now, why is Schumer putting Russia's interests ahead of those of the United States? By blocking Nord Stream 2 sanctions on Putin's pet pipeline into Europe. Schumer, along with a number of other top Democrats, is a beneficiary of campaign contributions from top Democrat fundraiser Vincent Roberti, whose lobbying firm was paid over $8.5 million by Nord Stream 2, which is owned by Putin's state-run Gazprom energy monopoly. Roberti, a former Democrat politician, has maxed out his donations to Schumer and to Representative Eric Swalwell, who may have been cheating on Fang Fang with Vladimir. And threw in a generous 171000 to the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee as part of the over 545000 donated to the Democrat political machine. The top Democrat bundler is reportedly lobbying on issues related to the U.S. position toward the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, including potential financial sanctions affecting the project. Suddenly, Chuck Schumer, who was accusing the GOP and Trump of being in bed with Putin and demanding that they vote on sanctions, was refusing to hold a a floor vote on Russia sanctions. Back then, Schumer had smeared them by saying, millions of Americans will continue to wonder. And the only possible explanation of this dangerous behavior is the possibility that President Putin holds damaging information over President Trump. What damaging info does Putin have on Chuck Schumer? President Trump at the time had urged that we should start an immediate investigation into Schumer's ties with Russia and described him as a total hypocrite. That's an understatement. Three years ago, Schumer was clamoring that putting off sanctions on Russia is an extreme dereliction of duty by President Trump, who seems more intent on undermining the rule of law of this country than standing up to Putin. But that describes Chuck Schumer in a nutshell, but not just Schumer. Nancy Pelosi had ranted, With him, all roads lead to Putin. I don't know what the Russians have on the present politically. 
personally here, <laughs> financially. But this Roberti fundraiser guy plowed $46,000 into Pelosi's victory fund. He also appears to have maxed out his contributions to the House Majority Leader and gave $5,000 to her PAC to the future. It's not too shocking since Pelosi toasted Roberti and his wife at their wedding. Senator Richard Blumenthal, you know, they call him Denang Dick because he lied about fighting in the Vietnam War. Blumenthal tweeted out, Trump denial of Russian collusion, rotten at core and doomed to unravel. Expect more serious convictions and indictments early in 2018 as the special counsel climbs the ladder of criminal culpability. All right, the serious convictions and indictments along with criminal culpability unraveled. Meanwhile, campaign fundraiser for the Russians, Roberti maxed out his donations to Blumenthal. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto tweeted after accusing Trump of endangering national security. The tweet said, yet another reason to call for an independent prosecutor into the Trump-Russia ties. So, Russia fundraiser Roberti also maxed out his contributions to Masto. Senator Patty Murray, Washington State, had a call for a special prosecutor to examine the Trump campaign's ties to Russia. Senator Murray, like Schumer, like Mastro, got the maximum amount from the Nord Stream 2 lobbyist, along with Senator Maggie Hassan, who had also demanded a special prosecutor for Trump. Senator Cory Booker, he of the Spartacus moment, alleged President Trump had betrayed his role and that he was weak and submissive to Putin. The New Jersey hack, Booker, who also who always has one hand out, got a cool grand from Roberti, the lobbyist, for Putin. But the real lobbying effort to stop the Nord Stream 2 sanctions is coming out of the Biden White House with top associates of the notoriously corrupt politician pushing Senate Dems to let Putin have his pipeline. And that's after Biden. Biden shut down the Keystone XL pipeline for America. Biden falsely claimed that waiving sanctions on Putin's pipeline was in U.S. national interests. Now, this Roberti fundraiser guy is a longtime Biden pal who boasts of having advised him on his 2008 presidential bid and reportedly flew him out to his hometown during the campaign. Another Biden donor and lobbyist working for the foreign companies that partnered on Nord Stream 2 signed a check to Biden's victory fund that Democrats refused to return until they were shamed into doing so by the New York Post. Chuck Schumer had demanded... Well, the Republicans know in their heart the president's giving away the story to Vladimir Putin. All right, well, where are the Democrats who know Biden is giving away the story? Cashing their checks. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken claiming, claimed that refusing to sanction Putin's pipeline would rebuild relationships with our allies and partners in Europe. Now, had a Trump administration cabinet member said something like that, we'd already be in the middle of three investigations. One by the FBI, another by the CIA, and a third by Representative Adam Schiff's pool boy. But no one cares now. No one. After years in which Schumer could talk about nothing so much as Putin, he hardly has anything to say about the Russian ruler over the past year. That's understandable considering Biden joined Putin's phony arms pact when Trump wouldn't do it and refused to sanction Nord Stream 2. If Schumer has anything to say about Putin now, it's da, comrade. There's no more talk of special prosecutors and no suggestions that 
Putin is rigging elections. Not when a lobbyist for a Swiss company owned by the Putin regime is signing the checks. There are no more of Schumer's so-called ominous questions when the answers are all too clear. Wow. And that's uh, Jeff Greenfield over at uh, frontpagemag.com. I'm sorry, Daniel Greenfield. Article entitled, Schumer, who accused Trump of Russian collusion, is getting paid by Putin. Why does this not surprise me? Why does this not surprise me? Speaking of Blumenthal, did you hear the latest about him? Senator Richard Blumenthal, Democrat, Connecticut, helps Connecticut Communist Party celebrate the 102nd anniversary of the Communist Party USA. Senator Blumenthal said he was excited and proud to help the Connecticut Communist Party celebrate the 102nd anniversary of the founding of the Communist Party USA over the weekend. On Saturday, the Communist People's World Committee presented his annual Amistad Awards to Senator State Senator uh, Julie Kushner, Democrat from Danbury, Pastor Rodney Wade of Waterbury, and SEIU activist Azucena Santiago at a union hall in New Haven, the Yankee Institute reported. Now, wait a minute. Communism is atheist. Why would they be presenting an award to a pastor? That's nuts, man. Not to mention, of course, communism is totalitarian. It's a dictatorship. You have no more freedom. Let me find out about this guy. Pastor Rodney Wade, Waterbury, Connecticut. Uh, What kind of church here? What kind of church are we talking about? Says Long Hill Bible Church. So then how can you accept an award for the Communist Party? I don't understand. I don't have a clue. How does that work? No telling. No telling. But they do. Blumenthal, uh, Senator Blumenthal was the surprise guest to help celebrate the occasion and chairs appreciation of the awardees. After he was introduced, Blumenthal gushed, I'm really excited and honored to be with you today and sharing this remarkable occasion. Communist Party Partners, American Federation of Teachers, Connecticut, said in a post about the awards that the awardees were recognized for their commitment to organizing priorities that address racial equity, climate change, voting rights, and the common good. They were also selected for fighting for the rights of essential and all, regardless of immigration status, workers during the pandemic. Okay, wait, 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 wait a minute. Voting rights and communism? Oh, man, do I have to tell you? Joseph Stalin, former Soviet dictator, said it doesn't matter who votes. It matters who counts the votes. Voting rights and communism? 
Come on, man. Give me a break. Give me a break. It's just ridiculous. All right, now I want to know, do you, uh, you know the name Ben Crump? Name Ben Crump? Ring any bells to you? Ben Crump is a lawyer who represented the family of Trayvon Martin and uh, I think George Floyd's family. Anyway, he knows how to make money. And, of course, he's a liberal Democrat. Um, but he did something unusual. He did something unusual a few days ago. He went on Twitter and he posted a photo of, well, it says, the illustration of a black fetus stunned many because they had never seen one before. So you see the unborn baby in utero who happens to be black. So Ben Crump said, wow, black medical student Chidia Bear Eeb illustrated a black fetus in the womb of a black pregnant woman. Oh, no, he said black pregnant person. Oh, 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 you got to be politically correct. Maybe it's not a woman, huh? Maybe it's somebody with female DNA who identifies as a man. She's having a baby anyway. A black pregnant person. Come on, Ben, have some respect for women. Don't do this, man. Anyway, he says, this rarely seen image highlights the astounding lack of representation in the medical field. We should be able to see ourselves in all life stages. Okay, Ben. We should able to we should be able to see ourselves in all life stages. Okay, Ben. In that case, well, I did a little response out there on the Twitter thing. I say, good. Now, please denounce Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry, which has murdered millions of these precious babies, and the Democrat Party, which is under their thumb. Why don't their black lives matter? So, no response, of course. No response, because, you know, if you're a guy like Ben Crump, you're going to be pretty heavily invested in the Democrat Party. Just saying. So, guys like me, we're the ones who point out the hypocrisy. Right? We're the ones who point out the hypocrisy. Now, I want to go back to um, Fauci. Earlier in the show, we played two audio clips of Fauci saying, this is from March 2020, it's entirely possible when we roll out the vaccine that it might make the infection worse. One clip was 
from him speaking at a White House press conference in March 2020. The other was of him speaking to uh, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg. Now, this reminds me of Glenn Beck on with Tucker Carlson on Fox News the other day. It went something like this. We didn't know anything about this in December. We were starting to get rumblings. China said there was some sort of an outbreak on December 31st. But Peter, De- I'm sorry, not Peter Dazic, Dr. Barrick signs a uh, government um, deal with Moderna. I want to I read it exactly to you. This, this deal was uh, made, it's confidential, it's 100 and, I don't know, 58 pages long. Um, it is, if I skip to page 104, they are entering a specific private confidential agreement the NIH appears to be transferring technology to Dr. Barrick, but that what they're making clear is, quote, mRNA coronavirus vaccine candidates developed and jointly owned by NIAID and Moderna. Now, this is weird because it's two weeks later that we know there's a problem. They signed that deal two weeks before, and they sign it with the doctor who happened to be a partner with the Bat Lady in Wuhan. Here's where it gets really dark. These are the same group of people that in the end of January begin to have meetings and they shut down and begin to smear anyone who's looking into the lab leak theory. They, they establish that's not true, don't even look there. It, it appears to be collusion, I, you know, we've passed this on to several people in uh, Congress and the Senate. We know Rand Paul is on this, and Dr. Fauci has some answers to give. Okay. So, that was going on December 2019, January 2020, and then as late as March 2020, Fauci is out there again saying stuff like this. You have safety, something that I want to make sure the American public understand. It's not only safety when you inject somebody and they get maybe an idiosyncratic reaction, they get a little allergic reaction, they get pain. There's safety associated. Does the vaccine make you worse? And there are diseases in which you vaccinate someone. They get infected with what you're trying to protect them with, and you actually enhance the infection. You can get a good feel for that in animal models. So that's going to be interspersed at the same time that we're testing. We're going to try and make sure we don't have enhancement. It's the worst possible thing you could do is vaccinate somebody to prevent infection and actually make them worse. So how's that working out for you, to quote the uh, great philosopher, Dr. Phil, right? How's that working out for you? How many... Anecdotal stories are we hearing about people who get the vaccine and have terrible negative reactions to it? This is something that uh, Fauci, uh, a possibility that he seemed to be aware of in March of 2020. Of course, now, now he's saying there's no such, Right? But March of last year, he was warning about the possibility 
right? Now he wants babies vaccinated. With his vaccine, they're still in trials. It's still emergency use authorization. It's not actually approved, right? But they don't want you using ivermectin. You know, they put the word out on ivermectin. I guess it was saving too many people. This guy's a monster, you know. And I agree with that woman a week or two ago who um, compared him to Dr. Mengele. He's a monster. You know, the the experiments they've done on beagle puppies, the experiments they've done on, on unborn babies up to 42 weeks, I never understood that 42 weeks. I thought pregnancy was over 40 weeks, right? That's Fauci. If you want to go all the way back to the 80s, uh, there are a lot of people who think that... Uh, The way he handled the AIDS crisis also got a lot of people killed. Just so you know. But your mainstream media out there, oh, they're like, oh, this guy walks on water. You know, he hung the moon. You got to worship Fauci, right? That's what we're told. That's what we're told. All right, now, a guy named Nick Searcy. Great actor, been in a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. I follow him on Twitter. He has a new documentary out about January 6th called Capital Punishment. And last night, I watched the trailer, and I was flabbergasted. I mean... Like I gotta, I gotta watch this with my wife soon. Capital Punishment, the movie dot com. Capital spelled with an O. You need to get a hold of it. It's only nine ninety nine, and um, I reached out to Nick Searcy, and he's going on Christmas vacation starting tomorrow, so we're not able to get him on before the holidays. But uh, we're trying to nail down a date for after New Year's. But in the meantime, you really ought to go to capitalpunishmentthemovie.com and download that movie. Once I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Somebody's finally put together a documentary explaining everything. Explaining everything. And... Just as Julie Kelly has been at the forefront of reporting what happened at the Capitol on January 6th and what's being done to the political prisoners, it looks like Nick Searcy. A great actor. I, I saw him in um, Greater, the Brandon Burlsworth story. I also saw him in Gosnell. 
Anyway, looks like he has just knocked it out of the park with this documentary. So, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman from Northwest Georgia, has a new report out called Unusually Cruel, an eyewitness report from inside the D.C. jail. And um, it's like 28 pages long. I can't read you the whole thing, but I can read you the executive summary. So in case you want to reach out and take a look at it. She says on Thursday, November 4th, 2021, U.S. Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, Georgia, and Louis Gohmert, Texas, along with their staffs, were given a a three-and-a-half-hour tour of the two D.C. Department of Corrections facilities at 1901 D. D Street Southeast, Washington, D.C., the Central Detention Facility and Central Treatment Facility. The purpose of the congressional visit was to inspect the conditions of the two facilities, specifically the treatment of inmates held in the Central Treatment Facility in relation to the events of January 6, 2021, the November 4th tour was only accomplished after months of persistence. Representative Green and her congressional colleagues, Representatives Gomert, Matt Gates, and Paul Gosar, were denied entry to the jail on multiple occasions, July 29th and November 3rd. In July, the deputy warden of the facility, Ms. Kathleen Landerkin, charged a congressional delegation led by Representative Green with trespassing, avoided and evaded representatives' questions, and forcibly locked congressional members out of the facility. On the morning of November 4th, Congresswoman Green and Congressman Gomert personally delivered a letter to the D.C. mayor's office, signed by four members of Congress requesting a tour of the facilities and the termination of Deputy Warden Landrigan. The mayor's office did not respond to Congresswoman Green's staff until 6.16 p.m., offering the Congresswoman the option of attending a tour for the D.C. City Council set to begin at 6.30 p.m. With less than 15 minutes before the tour supposedly started, Congresswoman Green and her staff raced to the facility as did Congressman Gomert and two staff members. Two days earlier, November 2nd, U.S. Marshal Service released a statement declaring that the the, center, the central um, detention facility did not meet minimum standards of confinement and approximately 400 detainees will be moved to a prison in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. The Marshal's number t- November 2 statement determined that the conditions in the central treatment facility the facility where inmates are being held in pretrial custody related to alleged offenses on offenses on January 6th U.S. Capitol were not sufficient to transfer January 6th inmates. Throughout the more than three-hour tour, members and staff were shown a variety of jail conditions and populations, well-behaved young men, general adult populations, accessing educational resources and practicing moot court, Maximum security inmates, 
sequestered for assault or sexual assault of other inmates and corrections facility and corrections facility staff. Wow. And finally, the approximate 40 detainees related to January 6th. After reflecting on the tour, the conditions of the central detention facility corroborated the U.S. Marshal's assessment published on November 2nd. Some inmates, specifically those segregated for assault or sexual assault, were housed in atrocious and cramped conditions, including cell blocks with putrid air circulation, supposedly caused by inmates igniting toilet tissue and having little to no access outside of their cells for long periods of time. Other parts of the facility revealed an overt and callous education curriculum which emphasized the supposed cruelty and racial prejudice of the U.S. prison system. More concretely, multiple common areas of the central detention facility contained distributed reading, distributional reading materials which promoted the Nation of Islam and critical race theory. Additionally, members of the Young Men Emerging cohort of inmates within the central, central treatment facility reveal they are reading books which emphasize the unusual cruelty of the American justice system and intend to study materials which promote the view that the United States perpetuates a racial caste system. After a heated confrontation with the mayor's representative, Mr. Kinslow, and Department of Corrections staff, representatives and staff were finally taken to see the January 6th inmates in the central treatment facility. Congress members Green and Gohmert refused to leave until the tour included the January 6th inmates. Notwithstanding the warm welcome from the inmates, the physical conditions in which they are held could only be described as inhumane. For example, cells in the January 6th wing of the central treatment facility were extremely small, composed of a single toilet, sink, and a small bed cot. The walls of the rooms had residues of human feces, bodily fluids, blood, dirt, and mold. The community showers were recently scrubbed of black mold, some of which remained. The interior walls of the common area were also freshly painted. According to the inmates, the U.S. Marshals had recently visited the area just days before, which caused a flurry of activity by guards to clean up the January 6th area while the U.S. Marshals were inspecting another area. Inmates explained they did not have access to their attorneys, families, or proper nutrition from the jail. Shortly after entering the January 6th wing of the Central Treatment Facility, inmates assembled for their daily salute to the American flag and singing of the national anthem. Following almost an hour of personal interviews with January 6th detainees, all in attendance except the D.C. jail staff, gathered in a circle while Congresswoman Green closed the group in prayer. At approximately 10.15 p.m., members and staff exited the facilities. It's also important to note that the D.C. jail facility has an area designed for meetings between attorneys and clients with plexiglass and phones as they face each other through the glass. Use of the facility should not result in 14 days of solitary confinement simply for meeting with an attorney. The following report is the consolidated testimony of, from six eyewitnesses. This document will outline the events 
of the evening of November 4th from the time Congresswoman Green was notified of the availability of the tour around 6.20 p.m. to the time members and staff exited the facility at 10.15 p.m. Wow. And, of course, I can't read you a 28-page report, but it's entitled Unusually Cruel, an Inside Report from Inside the D.C. Jail, Office of Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, December 2021. So what I have to do is figure out how to uh, link to a PDF on social media, and I I don't know how to do that. Uh, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Now, that having been said, you know what Liz Cheney did last night? In that sham fake January 6th committee, did you hear what Liz Cheney did? Started reading off uh, emails from January 6th from people encouraging President Trump to make a statement. Now, I don't understand. What business is it of hers to have been allowed to have gotten a hold of these emails? You know? The great Molly Hemingway over the Federalist says, it serves zero legislative purpose to read private texts like this, one of the reasons it's in violation of its own charter, also falsely presenting Liz Cheney as required ranking member when it has none because Nancy Pelosi kicked a real ranking member off the committee. See, a ranking member of a committee is the top dog of the opposition party to whoever the party is in control of the House or Senate, as the case may be. And the ranking member is always chosen by the Republican caucus. Okay, that is not the case here. That is not the case here. So you got Liz Cheney yammering on and on and on for nine minutes reading other people's private emails into the record. You know, it's going to be so much fun next spring when she is defeated in her own party primary in Wyoming. It's also going to be fun when her good buddy, U.S. Representative French Hill, who represents Central Arkansas, 2nd District, and the U.S. House of Representatives, is defeated in his party primary in, what is it, May 24th, I believe, May 24th. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Julie Kelly says, no one should give a shred of information to this illegitimate committee populated by known liars and leakers such as Liz Cheney and Adam Schiff. Of course this would happen. Of course this would happen. So, that having been said, it's just, there's just so much. There's just so much. Hey, y'all don't mind, do you, if we do a 
a tweet mocking Biden. Do you know that? Is that going to present a problem? We do a tweet, a tweet mocking Biden because, hey, it's, it's that time again. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way. Big old car dealer in the middle of America who believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online, and they'll drive it to your door. So, tweet of the day here, election wizard has it. He says, it's a video of Biden meeting with some folks. He says, watch Joe Biden has to check his notes to remember the name of his FEMA administrator who is in the room and just gave him a briefing. This is hilarious. Here we go. Oh, I got to turn it up. Sorry. Here, let me turn it up. Here we go. Well, folks, as you can see, I just met with my team here and uh, Secretary Mayorkas, uh, Homeland Security, and, uh, and uh, my, uh, my FEMA administrator, uh, uh, Chris Well. They're on the ground in Kentucky yesterday. He's gone, man. He's gone. Gone like a freight train. Know what I'm saying? Gone like a freight train. Like a 57 Chevy. He's not coming back because he can't come back. He can't. It's, uh, no, I got more. I got more in a tie for two of the day. Breaking 911 has Biden saying this. Does this say anything to you about climate change? Is this, or do you have conclude that these storms and the intensity have to do with climate change? Well, all that I know is that the intensity of the weather across the board has some impact as a consequence of the warming of the planet and the climate change. The specific impact on these specific storms, I can't say at this point. I'm going to be asking the EPA and others to take a look at that. But the fact is that uh, we all know everything is more intense when the climate is warming. Everything. And obviously it has some impact here, but I can't give you a, a quantitative read on that. The great journalist, Laura Logan, said this is a lie, and they know it. Never miss an emotional opportunity to push the policies of tyranny and control that distort the truth to serve a radical political agenda. So thank you once again. Tweet of the day brought to you by Red River Your Way, the car dealer right in the middle of America who believes in freedom, your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice and have it driven to your front door. All right, now, that having been said, have you heard about this guy who was uh, Chris Cuomo's lead producer at CNN and what he's been arrested for? This is officially from the U.S. Attorney's Office, District of Vermont. Connecticut man indicted for attempting to induce minors to engage in unlawful sexual activity at Ludlow residence. 
the office of the U.S. Attorney for the District of Vermont, announced yesterday, announced uh, Friday, I'm sorry, that John Griffin, 44, of Stanford, Connecticut, was arrested by the Federal Bureau of Investigation after a federal grand jury in Vermont charged Griffin with three counts of using a facility of interstate commerce to attempt to entice minors to engage in unlawful sexual activity. Griffin will have his initial appearance later today in federal court in New Haven, Connecticut. According to the indictment, from April to July of 2020, Griffin utilized the messaging applications KIK, K-I-K, and Google Hangouts to communicate with people purporting to be parents of minor daughters, conveying to them, among other ideas, that a woman is a woman regardless of her age and that women should be sexually subservient and inferior to men. Okay. K-I-K, I heard of that a few years ago. Is that still a thing? And Google Hangouts. People actually go there? This is, this is stunning to me. Huh? No, it's not stunning that uh, somebody at CNN is getting arrested for this kind of thing. But um, Kick and Google Hangouts, I had no idea. Anyway, this is an official statement, a press release from the U.S. Department of Justice, U.S. Attorney's Office, District of Vermont, from Friday. On these communication platforms, Griffin sought to persuade parents to allow him to train their daughters to be sexually submissive. In June of 2020, Griffin advised a mother of 9- and 13-year-old daughters that the mother's responsibility was to see to it that her older daughter was trained properly. Griffin later transferred over $3,000 to the mother for plane tickets so the mother and her 9-year-old daughter could fly from Nevada to Boston's Logan Airport. The mother and child flew to Boston in July of 2020 where Griffin picked them up in his Tesla and drove them to his home in Ludlow. At the house, the daughter was directed to engage in and did engage in unlawful sexual activity. The indictment also includes special specific allegations of Griffin attempted to that Griffin attempted to entice two other children over the internet to engage in sexual activity in April 2020. Griffin proposed to engage in a virtual training session over a video that would include him. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. I, it gets too graphic. I'm sorry. It gets too graphic. I'm sorry, but, um, not surprised. CNN we're talking about, you know, I'm not, uh, not at all surprised. It's just, uh, Oh, on the lighter side, can I play you one more from uh, from Biden? I know what I'm willing to lose over if we walk away from the middle class, if we walk away from trying to unify people, if we start to engage in the same kind of politics that the last four years has done. I'm willing to lose over that. You mean you're willing to lose your presidency? My presidency. Because you're going to... 
Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It uh, it refreshed on me. Let me open it up over here and see what we got. I know what I'm willing to lose over if we walk away from the middle class, if we walk away from trying to unify people, if we start to engage in the same kind of politics that the last four years has done. I'm willing to lose over that. You mean you're willing to lose your presidency? My presidency. Because you're going to stick right, with That's right, because that. I'm going to stick with it. There's certain things that are just, like, for example, Afghanistan. Well, I've been against that war in Afghanistan for the, from the very beginning. We're spending $300 million a week. That's not true. He voted for it consistently over and over again. In Afghanistan, over 20 years. Now, how do you know? Everybody says you could have gotten out without any anybody being hurt. No one's come up with a way to ever indicate to me how that happens. That's not true. I'm sorry, I, I can't put up with any more of that. I can't put up any more of that. You know, there's a reason I will never use the word president to refer to this guy. Yeah. No, he's uh, he's usurper Biden. Not President Biden. He's usurper Biden. Um, By the way, I don't know if you heard about this, but I need to share it with you before we get out of here. Florida U.S. Congressman Matt Gates introduces National Stand Your Ground Act to protect Americans' right to self-defense. Um, probably not going to be able to get that through the House until... Republicans take back over, but it is a noble cause. It is it is certainly a noble cause. And I'm glad to hear that somebody in the U.S. House is, is trying to stand up for our rights. That's a good thing. That's absolutely a good thing. He should be uh, commended for that. All right, what is this over at theepictimes.com? Jack Phillips says it. Doctor says he was fired for trying to treat COVID-19 patients with ivermectin. A Mississippi doctor said he was fired for attempting to treat COVID-19 patients with ivermectin, which is approved by the FDA to treat parasites, although the hospital in question said he was not an employee, but instead was an independent contractor. Dr. John Witcher, an emergency room physician at the Baptist Memorial Hospital in Yazoo City, Mississippi, said he was told not to come back after taking several COVID-19 patients off remdesivir, which is approved by the FDA to treat the virus, and allowed them to use ivermectin. Witcher said on a podcast by a guy named Stu Peters, I was very surprised that I was basically told to not come back at the end of the day. These patients were under my direct care. And so I felt like taking them off from Desivere and putting them on ivermectin was the right thing to do at the time. Baptist Memorial told news outlets that Dr. Witcher no longer practices medicine as an independent physician at their Yazoo City facility, adding that he was an independent contractor, not an employee at the facility. Hospital system said it follows the standards of care recommended by the scientific community and our medical team in the prevention and treatment of COVID-19, such as vaccines and monoclonal monoclonal antibody treatments. But Dr. Witcher said he was working at the Baptist Memorial ER when three new COVID-19 patients arrived on December 10th. They were prescribed remdesivir, but Dr. Witcher said he has concerns about the drug. 
He said, I was there at the hospital for three days straight in the ER, and so I felt like this would be a good opportunity to try ivermectin on these impatient patients that I had been following very closely and just see how well it worked. Hospital couldn't prescribe ivermectin, he said, adding he had to call a local pharmacy. The pharmacy, Witcher said, then delivered the drug to the hospital and switched their prescriptions from the remdesivir to ivermectin. However, according to Dr. Witcher, Baptist Memorial severed ties with him before he could administer the ivermectin. He said there's a first time for everything, but I wouldn't say it was experimental. There's been plenty of evidence with patients right here in Mississippi that have taken ivermectin, and they've done well. There have been reports of severe COVID-19 cases recovering from the disease after taking ivermectin, a relatively inexpensive drug compared to remdesivir. A lawyer for the family of a 71-year-old man, Sun Ng, S-O-N-N-G, told the Epic Times earlier this month that Ng's life was most definitely saved by taking ivermectin because his condition changed right immediately after he took the drug. Baptist Memorial, of course, did not immediately respond to a request for comment. I'm stunned. I'm shocked, I tell you. I'm shocked. All right, we're going to keep on doing our best to bring you the truth every day. Really excited. Julie Kelly from American Greatness scheduled to be on the show tomorrow from 12 at 12.05 Eastern, 11.05 Central. Don't miss it. If you want to listen live, you no longer have to download the Podbean app. Just go to DocWashingtonShow.com where it says listen live. Click the start button, and you got it. You've been listening to episode 45 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the Tenth. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, December fourteenth, twenty twenty one.